Welcome to the Recruitment Hackers Podcast, a show about innovations, technology, and leaders in the recruitment industry. Brought to you by TalkPush, the leading recruitment automation platform. Welcome back to the Recruitment Hackers Podcast. I'm your host, Max Armbruster, and today I'm delighted to welcome Katrina Collier. Katrina is the author of The Robot Proof Recruiter which I think it could be retitled how to protect yourself against the chatbots or how to protect yourself against TalkPush, like the company that I started. But that's just me being paranoid, perhaps. Katrina, <laughs> welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks, Max. I think that's the best introduction I've ever had. <laughs> Please protect yourself from my business. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's not, that's not technically what's written in there. You know that. You've read half of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe you've not got to your bit. So I've read this book, and it's a wonderful reminder to everybody that if you are working in recruitment, you're working in an extremely, I'm not going to say tactile, but extremely high-touch human environment, which if you list all the jobs in the world, Recruiter should be the last one to go almost, you know, <laughs> uh, the last one to be fully automated of the jobs that we, we operate today. Like who wants to be hired by a robot? I mean, I don't know anybody who would put their hands up. I've seen a couple of case studies here and there, but actually I don't think employers even want to like, you know, showcase that they're not that proud. Mm. Um, I, I really, I know we, we talked about this before we came on, which is like this book is very much aimed at people who have experience or people who are recruiting people who are in demand. So my whole background is IT recruitment. All of the clients I've ever had have been in IT or health in general. There's been a few other things, obviously. It's always those people who are hard to recruit. However, there are examples for high volume in there. And one of those is Yodel, who are a courier company in the UK. And all they recruit are drivers. So therefore, actually, they can automate it. There is a chatbot on their site that pops up and goes through the process of, can you carry a 35 kilo box? No, you can't, you can't work for us. Yes, you can proceed through. And it can actually get someone through the application because they realize their recruiters were online nine to five and applicants were coming in at 11 o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. So in that respect, when it's the same role over and over and over, and all you really need to know is that they've got a clean driver's license, no criminal record, and you know <laughs> they're gonna turn off. Actually you can, but yeah. really for the rest of us, Oh my gosh, put a human in, please. <laughs> this, and this put, recruiter put humans and this in recruiter. that love it. Yeah. And actually, I've really, if anyone's been following me on LinkedIn of late, I've started the kind recruiter revolution, which is because Clubhouse has appeared. It's just a conversation on Clubhouse. Yes, it's iPhone snobbery if you can't get on there. But the idea being that, like, please, if you don't love this job that we do, please leave the industry <laughs> because it's so important. We play with people's lives. And mm -hmm. I, I just think so often that's forgotten. Mm -hmm. And just like you said, how can we automate when we play with someone's life? We, you know, I take Max and I put him in the wrong job. He fails. Three months later, he's out the door. We're in the middle of a pandemic. What happens? Actually, serious case on that. Someone last night when we were on the kind recruiter revolution, as I'm calling it, was talking about the fact that actually he was hired. And then the person that hired him basically had a meltdown and said, I can't. I can't do this job. I can't cope. I can't bring on someone new right now. I have to let you go. And he turned down two other jobs to take this job. 
has a pregnant wife at home and is now in the middle of a pandemic trying to get another job. And you're like, we can't do that stuff. We're playing with people's lives. So that's the book oh. was off the back of that. Please stop saying tech can do what we do. It cannot. <laughs> well, <laughs> we, taking your example, I yes. would say uh -oh. this person, <laughs> this person was put in the wrong job because we didn't mm -hmm. do all the checks and balances and the psychological assessment. And if we had mm -hmm. done that, if we'd done the psychological profiling, we could have identified a risk and mapped it against a bell curve and said, spotted something that the individual recruiter might have missed mm. that you know you can be more thorough when you have an endless battery of tests available to you and you could just plug yeah. as many as you'd like or it could be that actually this is an experience none of us have ever been through before so no amount of testing would have said that particular team leader was mm -hmm. going to melt down when having to homeschool having to work remotely having to manage a team remotely having to like you were saying you're an extrovert. You can't wait to get out. I'm an introvert. I'm a very loud introvert, by the way, if anyone wants to argue the case with me, those that are listening who are going, no, she's not. No, I really am. But I'm really happy in these four walls. I'm yeah, missing traveling, but I'm not missing it that much that I could do this for another year or two, but others yes. can't. So people are melting down because they're missing. If they've got a close family bond, they're missing that. So I don't know. I agree. It could have helped, but I also think, yeah, it's a really interesting example, obviously, but I, I can continue on this example and to say, <laughs> well, perhaps this person was hired because the recruiter at hand only had five or six profile to choose from. And because you can only invest so much time in sourcing, but if you really ramped up your sourcing and you use, let's say social media and increase the pool of candidates tenfold or a hundredfold, mm. then you could have eliminated a much higher oh, portion of sorry. the risk as well. This wasn't about the person that was hired. It was the team leader that melted down and let the person they hired go. Oh, wow. So yeah. they hired them and let them go in three days. But yeah, absolutely. I think agree that we need to have a bigger pool of people that we recruit from and we need to get the hell off LinkedIn. Like everybody is on LinkedIn going after the same pool of people. Now, most regular people, not recruitment, not sales, not entrepreneurs, not marketers, they're not on LinkedIn mm -hmm. every day. Mm -hmm. Like message one of your mates on there who works outside the industry. Will they get a reply? No. But if you send them one somewhere else, like Messenger or WhatsApp, boom, they reply. And it's like, get off, go. So I agree. Get off and find. For your yeah. high volume recruiters, obviously you're like, oh my God, no more applications. But for those that are, are seeking people who are in demand, please go elsewhere, yeah. you know, go and ask the people in your business. If you're in-house, go and ask your candidates. If you're an agency, where are you? You know, what yeah. social networks do you use? Well, one thing that really, you know, got under my skin with the whole AI wave was it was in yeah. 2017, 2018, when you had mm. all of those movies that came out, like Her and mm -hmm. Ex uh, Machina and a few others, like the Western TV show in virtual mm. reality. Anyway, I, I ate all that <laughs> stuff up. I really loved it as yeah. entertainment. But in a span of just a few years, it went from people asking me, oh, you're creating a robot that interviews people. What a stupid idea. Like nobody will ever mm. do that to like in literally in two years, people, the question mm. went from that to, 
oh, that's cool. Can your robot tell if the candidate is lying? Can your robots, you know, and mm. the, the, the expectation just inflated all of a sudden. There was a complete change of expectation. And perhaps mm. your, born, your book was born out of a, you know, <laughs> a backlash, right? As a reaction to yeah. the inflation around expectations. Yeah, yeah I, I was actually asked by Kogan Page, who are the publisher, Katrina, would you like to write a book? Firstly, that doesn't happen. So that literally blew my mind uh, and still blows my mind. And sometimes I literally look at the book and go, I can't believe I wrote this book. And then it was like, oh, my God, yes, we're going to write about this. Okay, utter, utter BS, right? Humans recruit humans. It's a simple, it's a requirement. That's the case. And what we do is so important because we woo and we use empathy and compassion and kindness and, and curiosity and all of that stuff to pull you through the process, right? I don't believe technology can replace that. However, I wanted to go, okay, so in this part of the process, put this technology here that puts the human first because it's supporting you with the technology supporting you and is freeing up your time to deliver a better human experience. And all the way through the book, that's what I'm talking about. So in this particular part of the process, try this, which would do this, which will help you have more time, again, to deliver a better human experience. And a few people have been surprised when they've read it and they go, you talk about tech so much. I'm like, yeah, because it can help you. I'm not saying not to use it. I'm the biggest user of technology. Like, <laughs> I've been using it, like I've been working at home for 11 years. So I've been... Yeah, using so much technology to deliver my business for so long. So it's, of course I'm an avid user like everybody, but use the right technology. And on that, it's like getting technology where a recruiter had input in creating it or created it because mm -hmm. they've done our job. They understand what we do. So they understand where we need support to save time and effort and frustration to deliver a better human experience. And that's experience for the hiring manager who I'd like to call partner because I'd like them to partner with us. Another mm -hmm. conversation the recruiter and the candidate. It's everybody. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. important. And enabling the recruiter to design experiences. Mm -hmm. That's the, I think that's the new role of technology is. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you can call it robots and not robots. Cause I think robots is kind of a dangerous word because immediately people think Terminator, but <laughs> If you think just a robot as in, you know, uh, mm. press button, command begins, and then, you know, yep. Boolean search, send a message that, that you know, you yep. still got a human at the wheel. And increasingly, yep. the technology companies that are doing well now are the ones where uh, the human creates the loop. There's a human in the loop. There's an opportunity mm -hmm. to, to send personalized message. And so I don't, I, I actually specifically picked this area to work in because I thought, mm. We've got a ways to go. We've got many years before yeah. this industry will be completely poof, disappeared. <laughs> I don't well, think it will ever happen. No, it's not going to. I think that then the recruiter can become more of a talent partner, become more of a, you know, working more to understand what the business is, proactively finding out what's the future of that business, whether mm. your agency or in-house, and, and really almost doing workforce planning, if you will, and pipeline building and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But the one thing that nobody at all ever talks about when they're like, AI can do sourcing for you, AI can do your messaging, all this kind of stuff. Nobody ever talks about a human's inability to write a CV or a LinkedIn profile. During this pandemic, thousands of recruiters have lost their job. And whenever I've had the opportunity to look at one of their profiles and provide some feedback, which some have not wanted, but they've got it anyway, 
it's been you. you have no achievements on your profile you don't use the word recruiter you're not going to come up in a search you spend your days looking at cvs and you have these really bad profiles so if recruiters and sources and talent acquisition and whatever you want to call us cannot write their own profiles or cvs yeah how are we expecting normal regular people to do that i shouldn't call them normal regular people should do that outside the industry people you can call See what I mean? Normal. There's a massive, <laughs> massive problem of what are we actually, what data are we feeding into these AI tools? And this has always been my issue with the sourcing ones. It's like, what are you sourcing from? Because people can't write their profiles. They, they Developers are the worst at writing them. <laughs> so... Yeah, there's been a shift away from the resume has had a bad name for the last you know a couple of decades where people say do away with a resume. And I, I tend to agree with that because I find that if somebody gives me a resume, I'll look at it for exactly three seconds to see if the person stays in the job for more than six months, you know, but then the first thing I want to do is, is hear what they have to say. Uh, and anyway, Your I don't want to give away. Recruiters have just squirmed and gone. Yeah, no, I don't want to hear what they have to say. I've got to get through 100 CVs every time, every uh, hour. <laughs> my high volume recruiters actually get to hear the candidates if they want to, because you know yeah. we can collect with our robots uh, voice and video. But you're oh, right, okay, so degree. I see what you mean. So then, the issue is uptake. So the issue is who's comfortable doing that. So you and I, before we came on air, you you went, I don't feel like I need to prep you. We, we'll be fine. I'm like, no, you don't, because I have been talking on video for years. And for someone in my generation to have been talking that for years is quite something. So it, it's like, I'm really comfortable. I'd happily sit here and just talk to this screen, come across as normal. Because most people, like, the second you put a video or voice, like, oh, and they're of all generations, of all age groups. And that's the issue. So... I agree, it would be fabulous, but then you've also got to get around the recruiter resistance and then the old school hiring manager that uh, I just want the CV, don't make me listen to something. Mm -hmm. so you've got some work to do. Like I said, we're not going anywhere. We've got to overcome all these different resistances. I'm not Absolutely. saying it's not valuable. It's just whether you can get people to use it. Does that make sense? Mm. <laughs> this, this podcast is now being deleted for insulting the host. <laughs> no, no, no. It doesn't make sense from the standpoint of everybody sending videos, doing spending time on Snapchat, spending time on TikTok. You know, what is the percentage of population that does not record themselves on videos on a regular basis? I mean, it, it is. What age it is you decreasing. High I volume. disagree. 20, 20 I disagree. to 30 year olds. <laughs> okay, so my nephews are. Oh, I had to actually ask my brother how old they are. Isn't that embarrassing? They're 28, one's about to hit 25, and they absolutely do not. They're there. They, they are there, but they're not there. Because I wrote happy birthday to my eldest nephew in brackets. I went, I don't think you actually see this. And he wrote, oh, no, I do. I just lurk. Like I never. <laughs> and, and he said, I see all your Instagram posts. But he never does a video of himself. He'll video, oh, I'm at a rock concert or I'm at a sporting event. Yeah. But yeah, so. Yeah, granted, I, it's good to give yeah. them the options. And we do yes. that. You know, we tell them yes. video if you can. If not, something else is fine. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's it. Use it as part of the toolkit. Then I'm all for it. And if I was a job seeker, job seekers listening to this, absolutely stand out. I mean, I, I just follow up, send a video follow up, all that sort of stuff. Absolutely agree with you.
What do you think about this technology that coming from the higher views of the world, which gave a sentiment analysis on facial analysis on video? They've kind of toned it down in recent years because mm. of some bad PR. Algorithmic bad backlash about the bias in the algorithm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Something about, yeah, the AI doesn't work the same on different skin tones, which. Gosh. Yeah. So. I, I always thought that was, I mean, I think I'm on your side on that one, that it was absolutely inflated mm. and that there's, there's no value to it. But, and to your point, there were some early studies saying that some people are uncomfortable in front of the video not trained mm. and they, they don't perform yeah. as well as they would face to face. And I've even met somebody from the retail world in France who does a lot of, you know, thousands of hires who told me, yeah, I know my recruiters are biased. I know that they're racist at some degree. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, as we all are, we all yeah. have different levels of racism in us. But when they meet someone face to face for 30 minutes, maybe that'll kind of go away. You know, like the in person experience will make you realize that it doesn't matter, you know, because now you're listening, you're looking in their eyes, and, and it's about it's about content, and not about uh, what you see on paper. And in a way, it's easier to express your biases in a hidden room where you're just flipping through resumes. But in person, it's harder. Yeah. Unfortunately, and it's, it's, we are just naturally biased and everything that happens in our world. So if I go to gender bias, I was, I just recently did a piece of facilitation that where I, I work with HR, talent acquisition and hiring managers to get to the, the facilitation discovers where all the blocks are and actually creates some solutions. It's all design thinking around like what's going wrong with the recruitment. And they had a big gender issue, technology company. And interestingly, I won't tell you what the French hiring managers were thinking about female applicants, but uh, <laughs> being that you're from France, I'm sure you know what they'd be up against. But I was talking to people about generational stuff. So my mother was born in 1938. And in 1959, when she got engaged to her first husband, engaged, she had to leave the bank. She wasn't even married and she wasn't pregnant. That's crazy. She was engaged. So you think about my eldest brother and sister who are boomers, who are looking at this kind of role model of, well, you know, mum does the cooking and the cleaning and the, you know, your mum worked, don't get me wrong, mum worked really hard. But that was the role. And then there's the husband's role and mum gets paid less for the same job as Mel because that's just how it is. And we've sort of seen that. So even just on a gender bias, let alone every other bias that exists, in our upbringing, this is what we've seen. So for us to sit up and go, well, actually, no, that's not right. That's, you know, and, it, and some of it's subliminal. Sometimes it's women doing it to other women as well. Like Women Market has put out something that's very putting people in boxes. I mean, we just had a big backlash here that the government put out a, you know, stay home, keep your distance thing for COVID, which was like a something from the 1950s. It literally mm -hmm. had man sitting on the sofa, women doing household chores and uh -oh. the homeschooling. Yeah. Uh -oh. oh yeah. Social media kicked off. Thank God for social media in that respect. But it's like, so if you just think that here we are, we're trying to get people in an interview to just change everything they've witnessed and heard as they've grown up and it's passed on. So I, my parents have passed it on to my brother and sister and they've passed it on to their kids not intentionally it's just a thing to go okay right now you need to this is on behavior and achievements just ignore all of this it's just hard we're humans we're flawed 
But until we can create algorithms that are not flawed, which was the big problem with the high view video tool, I'm, I'm sure there was a huge thing in the US about that. You're welcome to correct me if I'm wrong. But the, the algorithms can be biased because they're created by humans. It's like yeah, tough stuff uh, going on. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I think that trying to address missed biases is a good intention. And I, I think that, you know, from a technology perspective, I want to minimize my liability. So I'm like, you know, yeah. it's not my decision, <laughs> you know, it's your decision. But yeah. by the way, did you know that you're 20% more racist than your neighbor? <laughs> you know, if I could just exactly. inform the, the, the recruiter yeah. uh, of just random stats where, like that and let, and let yeah. them self-adjust, educate them. That's where the tools are brilliant. That's where it's great. That's where you start going, okay, right we need to do something about this. What can we do? And then there are options out there for people who are far more experts in bias than I am. I'm an expert in like uncovering where the problems are in your recruitment process. I'm not the expert in fixing it. I'd rather you pulled in the experts to then fix it. But it's that, you know, you're doing the same thing. You're going, hey, are you aware in comparison to? Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important. And we have so far to go because 1950s was not that long ago. If you think about like a lot of the racism and the gender biases all stems from around that time. It's not that long ago. And, and there's some of these biases that could be also by choice, you know, a group mm-hmm. or company can decide, I want a particular profile. And if we're not talking about profiles that are, you know, where adverse it affects their ability to stay within the law. Mm. And of course, you, you're perfectly allowed to hire only beautiful people or only massive jerks. I mean, there's no yeah. laws <laughs> to, yeah, yeah. to regulate no, that. That's true. You also get the, um, you get the, I call it the eye roll. So, you know, I, I run events here. At, well, sorry, I did when there wasn't a pandemic. Run events, events were here a and, thing. <laughs> I ran events here in London. Of course, I can't see my screen. We're on a podcast, aren't we? Uh, I've got my London view going on on Zoom. And I would work really, really hard to make sure that it was gender balanced. It was in-house to consultant balance. It was like, I've got everything. I've got disability, ethnicity, everything I could possibly think of. I was putting a lineup that reflected the audience. That's my was always my aim. And in some cities, it was easier than in London or harder than in London. But you kind of, so myself and a few other event organizers have taken to calling out other recruitment event audience, uh, organizers if they just have what we call a pale male lineup, a mantle, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. And they're mm-hmm. usually a boomer aged, all mm-hmm. male, all sure. white, all middle aged. Where's my invite? And yeah, <laughs> you're not that old. <laughs> nice try, Max. He's going for a compliment, I think. And what happens is you will get the white boomer male who'll go, oh, well, then you're just being discriminatory against us. You know, we've got a right to be heard. It's like, well, you've been heard for a really, really, really long time. And we're not saying you're not going to be heard. You might just have to wait a turn or two, but you get that exact resistance and that exact comment every time. And it's just like, no, look, does it really hurt if you've got a male and a female and then you can wait one turn and speak the next one? It's yeah, every time. So we've got work to do. Yeah, and as recruiters, I, th- I, th- I think it's really important that we look and go, gosh, I really am just recruiting people like me. When was the last time, you know, recruited a, a load of men, for example, I'd probably be more inclined to recruit women. 
I may have a bias that way. Thank goodness I'm not recruiting at the moment. <laughs> I'd have to check. <laughs> I, it's very, very dangerous to start talking about our personal biases on camera. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather not. I, I, so. I, you know, I, I do, when I react to people, and I think it's because, and I've been very open about this, I have, I'm a survivor of child abuse. I have done a hell of a lot of therapy and life coaching. And I bring that into the mastermind that I've created off the back of the book as well. It's amazing. It all comes in. So I've learned to like listen to that voice when I react to somebody and I do go, ooh, that's really interesting. Now, am I reacting to their behavior or am I reacting to what they look like? Mm -hmm. And it's like, you have to really think about it. And I think most of us are just going through our day. We're far too busy to go, oh, why are you thinking that about Max? That's a bit strange. <laughs> you know, it's, it's no, hard we work. We don't have time for that. And, we don't and, have time uh, for that. We're too busy. How, how often have you read and maybe even said yourself, you know, mm. you have to follow your instinct. I mean, the, yeah, intuition. Uh, it would be extremely uh, presumptuous of us to think that, mm. you know, we should just switch off all instincts. It's like what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, when you're saying the robot proof recruiter, yeah, mm. if we decide to eliminate all biases, what is left of us? I mean, there's almost yeah, nothing. Absolutely. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, we're, we are actually going from 100 applications to one person. As yeah. well. So we actually have to, I know it's, it's a balancing act, um, but I did talk about when I got to the interviewing chapter and I know someone called me out for this because, and I'm like, I never said I was going to talk about that. They're like, you really didn't go into like what questions we should ask an interview. I'm going, no, because I'm a really bad interviewer. I literally go with intuition. I'll go, I like Max. He's lovely. Can we hire him? That is just not how you meant to do it. <laughs> so, and so when I got to that chapter, I focused purely on the technology side and how it could or couldn't help. And okay. I was like, well, I, I didn't want to go into, this is how you conduct an interview. But it was more about like, you've done the interview, how to record your feedback or how to you know use the tools to save your time. You're not, you're not selling this book well at all right now. Oh. I, I read it and it has a ton of very practical tips on how to not just protect your career and future-proof yeah. it, but also from every step of the journey, yeah. from you know promoting yourself, talking yeah. to the hiring manager, preparing yeah. your sourcing effort, everything. And you can tell, you know, decades of experience poured into that yeah. uh, not, not just yeah I'm not joking about I'm a bad interviewer but what I realized when I started writing this book was how different it was from when I started in recruiting because when I started in recruiting the internet hadn't gotten the way technology hadn't gotten the way it was I Max is in my database I call Max and have a conversation with you about the role and you go yes or no it was easier mm. I didn't send you a message you look at me and go I don't want to talk to you you didn't get inundated with all of the jobs that you could see it was like the world has really changed. But what really got to me was when I realized chapter five, that is all about the intake strategy session. That is the most crucial thing. If you don't get the right information from your hiring managers, if you don't get them to partner with you, if you don't shift your attitude so they do partner with you, all of the recruitment becomes really, really challenging. And I think any recruiters who are working off a job description that they just got thrown via HR that's three or four years old, they should be going, forget it. Unless you're gonna give me an hour upfront with the hiring manager so I can partner with them properly to fill this role, then don't do it. And that was, but to me, the whole crux, if you get that wrong, then everything goes wrong after that. 
the interviewing, the pre-boarding, the onboarding, the mm -hmm. employee experience, the reputation of the company, and then it comes around in a cycle of bad reputation, same, don't want to work same, for them. Same for if you're building software, if you're doing a project, yep. it's all about requirement capture. I've yep. got a question I ask uh, to every one of my guests uh, recently because it's emotional. And Ooh. it's go back <laughs> to a time when you made a terrible, terrible hiring mistake and identify, you know, go back to those days, think about that person, visualize that person and share with us how you got there and how can our audience avoid making the same mistake you made at the time? Are you crying? I, no, I just literally <laughs> can't think of having made a bad hire. I can oh, tell you wow. about, I can tell you a different experience, which was, no, so I can remember the time I didn't give somebody feedback from interview. There was one person I've never given feedback to from interview and I still feel bad about it. One person. No, because I was not the person making the hiring decision. I was interviewing them and shortlisting them, handing them to a hiring manager who made that decision. So, and I've never had a team. However, I worked at this IT consultancy, which is really early on in the searchologist. It just says in-house. I don't really talk about it because it was so toxic in the end. And I brought in people for this it's a click view consultancy so it's a really new technology they wanted people who worked on billions of rows of data i was bringing people in all over the world mm -hmm. and they decided without any input from me to hire a sales director and the sales director couldn't sell and i watched the bench starting to fill up at this it consultancy and i watched the projects not being renewed and the coo was a narcissistic piece of poop and when i was going we're going to implode we are going to implode. He fired me and he fired the delivery uh, director who was saying the same thing. And sure enough, that's what happened. And it was all because they hired the wrong sales director. They hired someone who couldn't sell and then they didn't manage him properly. And it was absolutely heartbreaking watching the 30, or it was more than that, that mm. I brought in from all around the world to London to work at this company and to watching them one by one lose their jobs was the most heartbreaking thing. And I, then I wasn't even there. I was watching them from afar. So in mm -hmm. that respect, I've seen how damaging it is and how we play with people's lives. And if we get it wrong, my God, do we get it wrong? But when we get it right, wow. I, you know, I have somebody, it's now, I think 17 years since by chance I, I changed his life and he will just message me periodically and go, you know, I'm still so grateful for you. You just put me on this career path and I love it. So we can do either side. So right. yes, as arrogant as you found that of me to say, I haven't done that, but I haven't because I've only been at the screening. Yeah, because so. you didn't manage recruiters directly. No, I have. I think it takes a hell of a lot of self-awareness to sit and go, I would be the world's worst manager. I am the world's worst. I would not do it. I have no tolerance for it. I have the most incredible virtual assistant who basically self-manages or that would be, that literally is one person. It's not a robot. <laughs> I, I, no, Not she's a robot? A human. Uh, no, human. Oh, no, she's shame. fantastic. And this this whole world of she's in Johannesburg. Sorry, no, I think she's in Durban. She's in South Africa. This is the world. Like it's it is. Yeah, no, I could do a ro uh, get a robot, but what I'm doing isn't like copy and paste stuff. She mm -hmm. does all sorts of bizarre stuff for me. But I I think it needs self awareness to know that. <laughs> Thank, thank you, Katrina. And again, advise everybody who's listening to check out the Robot Proof Recruiter. Oh, can I just uh, say one quick thing about it? And um, where, where uh, can people get a hold of you? And where can people get sure. a hold of the book? And I believe there's a charity behind. That That's what I just wanted to make sure I said. Yes. 
But I have been to Africa and seen firsthand the work of Hope for Justice Charity. Uh, they aim to end modern day slavery, which impacts 40.3 million people around the world. And I guarantee there are people in slavery in your vicinity, wherever you are in the world. It is a massive problem. And I donated the royalties from the robot proof recruiter to that charity. And they're really struggling like everybody else is in this pandemic. So every purchase, not only will you get the most incredible book that is has contributions from 74 of your peers around the world, you will also get to help end modern day slavery. So I cannot recommend that enough. Um, you can get it in all the usual places like Amazon, Kogan page directly, of course. You can get eBooks. You don't have to just get the paperback. Personally, I grab both because you want to write on one and use the other one to click links, but I'm biased. <laughs> but, oh, and find me. Oh my gosh, Google me. I'm everywhere. I'm very Katrina easy to Collier, find. Very easy to find on Twitter, <laughs> on LinkedIn. Easy. We'll put Instagram. the links on the show notes. <laughs> yes, please. And if you're on Clubhouse, come and join the Kind Recruiter Revolution. We have a chit chat. Might be a bit late for Asia, actually, come to think of it time-wise, but we're having fun with it. Awesome. And if you're a Talkbush customer and you feel like the chatbot is starting to take too much room in your virtual space, that's the book you need to read to fight back against the robot. I don't think it's Absolutely. a real fight. I think it's a hand in hand. <laughs> Thanks, no. Katrina, for joining. And Thanks, Looking Max. forward to, to listening to your upcoming podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks, Max. That was Katrina Collier, author of The Robot Proof Recruiter, talking about some of my favorite topics, such as the war between automation and the human recruiter, and about personal biases and how they affect all of us. Hope you enjoyed it. If you're up for more, please subscribe, share with your friends, 